With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to... Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. We all knew if we were going to get any tennis back during this 2020 season, things were going to get crazy. The calendar, it was going to get condensed. Of course, events such as the majors, the U.S. Open, the French Open, they were always in the best position to have their events played. Now, did we picture they were going to be only two weeks apart? No, none of us saw that twist coming. Nevertheless, that's where we are here in this year. 2020, the French Open scheduled to begin this week. So many of our favorite players back on court competing for a Grand Slam title. And of course, this time on the women's side, we get to see players like Simona Halep, like Kiki Burton, some who sat out, Alina Svitolina, others who sat out of the action in New York. Of course, if it's a French Open and there's a men's singles title on the line, you know Rafael Nadal is going to be a part of it. And I know I speak for all of us when I say we are excited to see him back in the men's field. Of course, it's still going to be a wide open men's field. We're coming off of a Grand Slam that saw the first non-three big uh, men's singles title winner since 2014. Dominic team coming in with loads of confidence. Of course, looming over all of this, the fact that these players have had about two weeks to make the transition from hard courts to the clay. Now, that's always a difficult transition, but it's made that much more difficult when you have such little time to train. You have to do all of that amidst a global pandemic as well, adapt to the safety and health regulations put in place. And so things are going to get funky. Now we had the draws revealed for both singles events on Thursday. We've had about 24 hours to, you know, consume that content to analyze it, come up with our takes. That's what we're going to be doing here on today's podcast. We are going to be talking about the 2020 French Open men's singles draw, breaking down all of the most important elements. And there is no guess. I would rather do that with than the person joining me today. You, of course, know him as a former four-star recruit on TennisRecruiting.net, your favorite Cracked Rackets writer, of course, notably the older brother of Baylor's Nick Stokowiak, my friend, Matt the Crack Stokowiak. Matty, hey, great shot. I am excited to hear your voice. I am excited to hear your thoughts. I imagine you must be excited for another Grand Slam. Oh, you know it, man. You don't even have to ask. I'm ready to rock and roll. Uh, I I didn't know, man. Honestly, going into the clay court season here, I didn't really know what we were going to see, you know, what to expect. But if, you know, Rome and Hamburg are any indication of what we're going to get at Roland Garros, it's going to be tremendous, man. I think both of those tournaments so far have been highly entertaining, really, really good tennis. Um, so I'm expecting a ton of good matches at Roland Garros over the next couple of weeks. 
to your point, two things. A, you're right. I didn't have to ask. I know you're excited. That's why it's always great to have you on the show. But, you know, it, it feels a little bit different than the U.S. Open because, yeah, it's under, you know, extreme circumstances. Yeah, it's a condensed schedule, a quick turnaround. But we have had two weeks to see multiple players make runs, whether it's guys we expected to come into the clay season with some momentum. A Casper Rude, a guy, you know, you and I have been talking about for two years now. He just consistently is doing it on the clay. He makes that semifinal in Rome, follows it up with a semifinal in Hamburg. Of course, a guy like Christian Guerin, who took a first-round loss at Rome, it was so reassuring to see him get three, I'm going to say, pretty good wins this week over Nishikori Hanifman and Bublik, respectively, to get to the semifinals. And so it does feel like we've had enough of a sample size to see some of these players. Now, there are others who come to mind, people like Stan Wawrinka, people like Gael Monfils, who really haven't had that much success in the on the men's side and then you know for Rafa people people who don't follow tennis closely might think oh my god is he vulnerable after a loss to Schwartzman so there are a lot of questions looming over this event but to your point yeah I mean to get to see these players competing at another grand slam it feels like that quick turnaround from the French Open to Wimbledon only you know a it's even a shorter turnaround than that and b I, I I don't know. I think... Well, all right. We'll start with this theory for you. We look at the results here in Rome and, you know, in uh, Hamburg. We see a lot of young guys having success, joining Garen and Rude, Tsitsipas and Rublev in those Hamburg uh, semifinals. Those are all guys under the age of 25. In Rome, we saw another young guy, Dom Kopfer, although he's a little bit older, but still a guy, youthful legs in terms of pro tennis terms. We saw Kasper Rude make it there, obviously. Denis Shapovalov, another good run. Are you concerned at all, given that it's about week six of this, you know, condensed schedule that maybe some of the, I I don't want to say the old guys are at a disadvantage. I guess I'll frame it like this. Do you think the young guys have an advantage because simply put, they're young. They're 21, 22, 23 years old. It's much easier to bounce back week after week, day after day when you're 23 than when you're 30. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for that. I, I I don't completely disagree, but I don't know if I completely agree with that either. I mean, and, and here's the other thing, Gruskin. Once we get to three out of five, I just think all that's out the window. I mean, in Grand Slam tennis, you know it's different. You're playing every other day. You don't have to recover and play the very next day. So I, I just think that's a whole different dynamic. But really, over these past couple of weeks, I just think the young guys are finding their footing on clay. A lot of guys that we know want to be on this surface. You know, they were ready to get out of New York. A guy like Casper Ruud, Christian Guerin, they couldn't have been more ready to come over to Europe and play the clay court season. So I think they were just excited about it, ready to rock and roll. And, and that's kind of the results that we've gotten so far. It's been a lot of fun to watch, but I'm telling you, man, as soon as we get to Paris... Watch out. There's going to be Joker. Rafa's going to be there. All the guys that are a little bit older, the vets, they're going to be, you know, hanging around too. It's three out of five. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, so since I have you here, it wouldn't be a great shot podcast without an opening tangent. Let's do an opening tangent. Let's do just three minutes quickly, Maddie, on Garen and Rude, because those are two players we both circled, and it was very obvious, right? You just look at the 2020 results for Christian Garen, two titles on the clay in February for Casper Rude. He locked one in as well for Casper Rude. Obviously, he goes to Rome, and I mean, what Casper Rude was able to do in making the semifinals, their first Norwegian player 
player in a Masters semifinal, but it's just the way he beat, you know, Karen Hatchinov and Marin Cilic and Matteo Berrettini and Lorenzo Sinego. It's just, it passes the eye test. It passes the metrics test by any stat you want to turn to. Kasparud, he's just he's going to be good on clay. Like it, it's just, it's clear to me that he's got the game, the heaviness of his forehand, his ability to change direction, his comfort sliding into shots and then getting that extra split second because he's able to recover quicker to track down that next ball, his willingness to play slice, to play short angles. It's just, it's such a, it's such a, it's a great game. And then it's the fact that he followed up with the momentum he built at the U.S. Open to get to the third round, you know, beat Mackey, beat Rusevori, and lose to Berrettini, but still hold seed there. I just, this is, I, I say it all the time. It happens in front of your eyes. Players rip off six-week stretches, and they're never the same. And especially the guys who end up going, and gals who go up to the top 15, top 10. This is the run you have to have. It happened in the midst of a global pandemic, but Casper Ruud is doing that right now. A hundred percent, man. And we know that he can play on clay. I mean, this guy has earned his living playing on the dirt. There's no question about it. He loves it. He's not flashy, but he's a grinder. He was built for clay, his movement, the heaviness of his shots. You mentioned everything, and I agree with all of that. I have no doubts about Casper Root on clay. I mean, for the next 10 years, 10, 12 years, I think he's going to be a force at every single clay court event. Nobody wants to draw this guy. However, there's a huge part of the season that is not played on clay, and that's where I get worried about him. I just don't know if the results are going to be there on other surfaces. I have yet to see it. My confidence isn't there, but if we're on the dirt, absolutely. Give me Casper Rude. I have a ton of confidence in him. Well, I think the confidence is rising on those other surfaces. But yeah, to your point, he's made three ATP-level finals in his career, all of them on clay. He's won in three in them. In terms of what he's done at the challenger level, he's made three finals, not going to shock you to learn, all of them on clay in his career across surfaces. You know, again, he's still only 21 years old, and the fact that he's made three finals all on clay, that's pretty indicative of someone pretty special. But in his career, 71 and 55, 56% on hard courts, he's 138 and 70 on clay. The results speak for themselves. I agree with you. And then for Christian Guerin, look, in terms of his total record on the season, I tweeted this out earlier. Christian Guerin, 15-9 and nine overall, but he does have two titles, both of them on clay. You look in his career again, all the success he's had. He's made five finals in his career, four of them. Titles he won, all of them coming on clay, all of those finals coming in the last two years on clay. You look in his career, same sort of deal over the course of his professional career. A, he's played so many more matches on clay than he has on hard courts. B, he's 254 and 138 on clay. He's 46 and 48 on hard courts. So I just think for Christian Guerin, it's different than Kasparud. For him, I think, well, it, it's similar in terms of their movement, their comfort on the surface, but for uh, for uh, Christian Guerin, it's just the heaviness of his forehand, his decisiveness with that ball, his willingness to change direction. It's very forehand-centric, and yet it clearly just works. Yeah, no, it, it definitely does. I mean, 24 years old, he's got a lot of time yet. The, look, these guys have earned a living already. I mean, they're both top 30. You know, Garen's sitting at 22 right now in the rankings. Rude is at number 30. It's tremendous. And I just, I feel like these are going to be, you know, guys that are going to be hanging around. They're always going to be a threat on the clay. And on other surfaces, yeah, I mean, they could be dangerous opponents, I just don't know, like for me at this time, I don't know if I see them 
just becoming complete all-around players on all surfaces. We're at every event throughout the year. You know, these are like consistent top 10 players in the world where they're a threat to win titles on every single surface week in and week out. I can't go there yet just based on what I've seen. But again, we're on the dirt now. This is clay court time and these guys will excel. I both, I think they're going to do really good at Roland Garros. Yeah, and we'll get into their draws. I would say that it's so funny because there are, there are sort of three tiers of the next geners right now. There are the Zverev, Tsitsipas's, uh, you know, Berrettini, uh, Shapovalov. I would throw FAA in there. Those are guys, Rublev, top 10 guys. Then there's that 30 to 10 ranking, the guys you know are going to be good for a pretty long time. The Hatchinovs, the, uh, uh, who am I missing here? The Hatchinovs, the Borna Choriches, that, you know, Alex Diemenauer, is he in the top group? Is he in that second group? Probably somewhere in between. Between. And, you know, the, the Miomir Kesmanovic's, the Hubi Hercats's, the Opelka's, Garen's of the world. I'm so fascinated. What about Yannick Sinner? No, that, he probably belongs in that first group. He's just a little bit young. I agree with you. But, like, yeah, it's it's crazy. And, I mean, you know, we'll talk about Sinner in a second. In fact, you know, I just I just wanted to set the scene. We are seeing these young guys come through. You're mentioning it there. Uh, all of them in interesting spots in the draw. And certainly, you know, coming off of a Grand Slam where we saw Alex Dimenauer play Dominic Team in a quarterfinal. We saw Medvedev play Rublev. We saw Zverev play Chorich. We saw Denis Shapovalov. Now's the time for these next-geners. And certainly, you know, if you've been watching these results, it may not be the Demon Hour or the Hatchinov you're used to, but this time it may be, although his draw's a little bit tough, but it may be the Kasparu, the Christian Garin, the Hubi Hercots of the world, although I think all of them would have to face either Team or Djokovic. But you get what I'm saying. There are plenty of options out there for that to happen again here at this French Open, but so much of it often seems to end up on where these players end up in the draw, and that's what we want to talk about today. We want to break down this men's singles draw. We are going to stick to the questions we like to do here to give us a format on these draw previews. We're going to talk about the top four seeds with the toughest quarters. We're going to talk about the seeds on upset alert, those unseeded guys we think could make a run to the second week or perhaps even further. Of course, we will name our favorite first round matches. And if you think I'm letting Matt Stokowiak get out of here without telling you why (laughs) the two top seeds are going to win this year's major, you have another thing coming. So of course, we will end with some predictions as well. But let's start with the big overview. The top four seeds in this event, Maddie. you look across the board. We've got Novak Djokovic as the number one seed. Dominic Team, the number two seed. We have, the, uh, excuse oh. me, Rafael Nadal, the number two seed. Dominic Team, leave it in, Westoff, the number three seed. And then, of course, Daniil Medvedev, the number four seed. One of the big questions coming into this tournament, which half would Dominic Team fall on? We have that answer now. It's the bottom half with Rafa. You look at these four quarters, Maddie. which of these top four seeds, in your opinion, has the toughest path to the semifinals? Yeah, to me, it's clear. And I think everybody will agree on this, Gruskin. It's Dominic team. I mean, there is yep. no question about it. When the draw came out, you take a look at team's section and you're like, oh my goodness. I mean, he draws Marin Cilic in the first round, possibly Riley Opelka or Jack Sock, who came through qualies in the second round. Tough matches there. I mean, then possibly Casper Rude, right, who we just talked about, is such a dangerous threat on clay. And that's just the first three rounds. I mean, that's ridiculous, man. I think team really got screwed. I mean, I don't want to say he got screwed. 
it's luck of the draw and it happens sometimes, but man, I like Joker's draw. I like Rafa's draw. I think Mehdi, I think his section is really, really interesting. I think that's an open section, and I think he could maybe have a couple of difficult matches in Mehdi's quarter of the draw. So for me, there's no question it's Dominic team. Rough, rough, rough draw. Yeah, I mean, you can make the case if you want for any of these guys, you know, for Novak Djokovic, Hubi Hercots as your first seed, uh, that's not easy, and then we just talked about Christian Guerin, you have him, or maybe Hatchinov in round four, that's not the best, but, you know, in terms of a quarterfinal opponent, and then Berrettini after that, again, that's not easy, but you look at the other possibilities, I think, for I completely agree with you, the one that absolutely stands out for Dominic Team. I mean, the big question, who is he, whose side of the draw is he going to fall on? Well, he's got to get there first. And I think the top half of that team section, you know, there's a world where Sasha Bublik knocks out Gael Monfils, and we'll talk about that when we talk about our seeds on upset alert. But you look at the seeds in that top half, Monfils, Fritz, not the scariest in the world. You know, Schwartzman's playing well, George is playing well, but those are guys who, you know, Dominic Team just has enough firepower to hit them both off of the court. But yeah, I mean, to get Casper Ruud potentially in the third round, wouldn't ask that on anyone. Of course, Chilich, not the Marin Chilich of old, no. but still capable of some really cool things. But I think even, you know, Jack Sock, I think that's actually an easier opponent for Dominic Team than Riley Opelka, simply because Agreed. if Riley Opelka serves well, you just like, Ouch, I guess I'm not winning today. I agree. I guess we're playing tiebreakers. But yeah, it's it's no easy path for Dominic team. You sort of talked about the Medvedev path. I think for Rafa, you look at it, you know, if it was 2016, Kei Nishikori as a third rounder, that'd be tough. But I don't even know if Nishikori is going to get to the third round. Dan Evans, a tough out, but a lefty to a one-handed backhand. We've seen that script. Yep. I also think for to have Fognini and Isner as your potential fourth round seeds, Rafa you know, he's going to have a way to work his way, find his form as he approaches the second week and the team, the Djokovic is the, you know, the business end of this Grand Slam. I would agree with you. It's probably Dominic team. And I know Medvedev's the four seed, but him and Tsitsipas being in that same section, it's a toss up for me. So I don't really think either, of, you know, if Medvedev doesn't make it to the semifinals, that's not going to surprise me at all. So I suppose then technically he would have the toughest quarter, but of the top three guys really, it's Dominic team. Yeah, no question. And and here here's the thing about the Medvedev quarter, man. It's not just Medi and, and Sitsipas. Andre Rublev is looming in that quarter. Denis Shapovalov is looming in that quarter. That to me is the most interesting quarter of the draw because I know, look, Joker's gonna get through. Rafa's gonna get through. There's no question there. Team's quarter and Medi's quarter are very, very interesting because those are a little bit more open. Yeah, I mean, the Medi quarter, I agree with you, wide open. And yep. I guess with that, let's get into the seeds on upset alert because you look in that section and, you know, this is a little bit, uh, I suppose, uh, hi- hyperbolic, but we've seen Martin Fucevic play a lot of good matches at slams over the past couple of years. And Clay not always going to be his best surface, but Medvedev's played a grand total of one match on clay in 2020. It was a first round loss, a match. He actually played pretty well. And I think he lost to Bublik if memory is certain. No, he didn't lose to Bublik. That was FAA. He lost to, who did he 
lose to first round of Hamburg. I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, all I know, it was a good match. I'll look up that name as we go. I think it was only uh, they traded breaks in the first set. God, it's going to bother me now. We'll keep it all in Westhoff. Medvedev in Hamburg ended up losing his first round match. That's who it was to. Ugo Umbert, uh, who's yeah. playing really well right now. And so no shame in that. But, you know, Fucevic is a tricky one. You look elsewhere in this top half. I guess Moon. So for Stefano Tsitsipas, I think he's looked really good in Hamburg. I don't worry about him feeling any fatigue coming into the next day because it's like, hey, I, he's, again, 22, 23 years old. He'll be just fine. This guy lives to play tennis. He's in as good of shape as any player you're going to see. Um, but I think we will know how serious to take him as a contender at this event in the way he deals with Halmi Munar in that first round. Munar, a clay quarter through and through. Uh, he obviously beat Zverev, I think, last year on the clay. Uh, he's played some tough matches against good opponents on multiple occasions on the dirt. Guy made a semifinal, I think, at a challenger a couple of weeks ago as the number two seed just held form there. Um, but if Tsitsipas blasts Munar off the court, if he beats him like 2-2-2, two, two, and two, for me, that's a, whoa, all right, Stefanos came to play. If Munar hangs around, if Tsitsipas is up, you know, maybe two sets to one, Munar gets a 7-6 fourth set, sends him to a fifth, then I'm starting to get nervous, and I do think Munar's capable of threatening Tsitsipas in those ways. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Munar's the guy, right, that you want to draw in the first round of Wimbledon or, you know, the U.S. Open, for example. But at the French Open, that's a guy that you probably don't want to draw as one of the top seeds in the first round because this guy lives for the clay. So I, I agree with you. I'm picking Sitsipas. I don't... I don't really have him on upset alert. I'm sorry. I, I just, I don't see a way where he loses that match. And then possibly second round, Pablo Cuevas, you know, a guy that he just beat this past week in Hamburg. So I think a couple of tricky opponents, definitely clay court guys that can pose some problems. But for me, I don't necessarily have him on, on early upset alert. I, I just don't yeah. think. And Medvedev's kind of the same way, right? With Fuksovic, it's like, okay, if you're going to draw him in the first round, the French Open is probably the slam that you would want to get him in the in the first round. Not the U.S. Open, not the Australian, but Roland Garros is a better tournament to draw Fuksovic in the first round. So while those matches kind of caught my eye when the draw came out, I'm not going to go as far as to say that Medi and, and Sitsipas are on upset alert in the first round. Yeah, again, to me, it was more, you look at them, it's a maybe, not an alert, but it's like a, hey. It's uh, like, that's interesting. No, I would say it's like a first of the month. We're testing the tornado sirens in our community, so you're going to hear them in the background, but don't take any worry. Like, you're going to hear the sirens, but it's just precautionary to make sure everything's still working, I guess would be my equivalent there. But yeah, those are on the top half, the big seeds. I have some other ones in mind, but want to hear your thoughts first. Who are some seeded guys you're a little bit nervous about heading into this one? Well, if we're just looking top to bottom, number one, I got to say, our guy, Hubie. Gruskin. Mm -hmm. I, I just think when he drew tennis Sandgren in the first round, Sandgren is deceptively good on clay. He moves so well. We know he's an Iron Man. The guy can play five hours. So he's not going to mind going five, you know, long sets. That's not an issue for him. And Hubi, I remember, I picked him at the U.S. Open to make a huge run. I think I'm, I had him in the quarters, at least fourth round, quarterfinals of the U.S. Open. And he disappointed. So this time around, 
I'm I'm gonna pick against him. I just I have to do it. I don't want to do it, but I'm actually gonna take Tennis Sandgren in that first round match. I think Hubi um, is definitely on early upset alert. A guy like PCB Carreno Busta who drew John Millman. I think that's a very very interesting first round. I'm going to take PCB, but I, I mean, Millman, we know, can definitely pose some problems. I would put an upset alert there. Um, and really on the top half, anybody else, you know, somebody like Nicolas Basilashvili, I have him losing to Tiago Montero, who's a lefty clay quarter from Brazil. I just think that's a tough draw. You know, Basilashvili seated number 31. So, I mean, he was one of the last guys to get seated. He's definitely on upset alert, but... Other than that, I think it's going to be pretty routine, man. I mean, you look at Andre Rublev drawing a Sam Query that catches your eye, but again, it's on clay. I mean, Rublev's going to win that match. I'm sorry, Sam. Um, I don't really have upset alert there. Yeah. Struff and Tiafo, again, caught my eye, right? Because these are Americans that we know, we love. Um, but again, I just, with what I've seen out of Francis, I don't have the confidence to say that that's upset alert. I like what I've seen out of Struff, and so I think he'll get through that match. Here's what I'll say. I always like Francis Tiafo more in three out of five sets than I do two out of three because he just gets to impose himself physically for a longer period of time, and that always benefits him, right? And so I, in terms of an upset alert, I agree. That got my attention as well. Not sure if he's going to pull it off, but certainly something I will take notice of now in terms of some of the other matches on the top section of the draw that really caught my eye. You know, I'm just... I don't know what to think about Karen Hatchinov right now, Maddie. And I know Camille Matrizak is not the toughest first-round match, but Yuri Vesely, the big lefty, second-round big server, just going to make life miserable for you. And uh, we saw him look good, I think, quarter-finalist in Hamburg before he got knocked out by Ugo Umbert. I I just worry for Hatchinov. I really do, because now he throws a lot of stinkers in terms of sets. And again, three out of five, that should benefit him physically. He can dig his way out of things, but... I'm definitely concerned. Now, in terms of upsets, again, an upset to me is not a seed-on-seed crime. An upset is an unseeded player knocking off a seed. Just two other names I would mention real quick. Uh, For Nikolaus Basilashvili, who has just looked like booty of late, let's be honest. I mean, he's got a tough one against Mont... Yeah, if he loses to Montiero first round, you know, then I think he's in trouble. Now, I do think he could beat Giron or Halis in or Halis in round two, um, but I think Montiero, who's a heck of a clay court player himself, uh, really should win that match against Basilishvili. My last one, a second round, and I say upset, but honestly— we need to start talking about Ugo Umber the way we do a Hubi Hercots, the way we do a Miomir Kesmenovic, to throw him in that second tier of next gen because the lefty is, by every definition, a modern player. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, big first serve that creates easy points for himself, big forehand, but very flexible, you know, can move around the court well, very fluid as an athlete. Good wins for him these past two weeks over Anderson and Fonini before losing in three to Chapo. Then he knocked off Vesely and Medvedev this week before losing in three to Rude. It would be a really fun second round match against Christian Guerin. I hope we get that match and it's unfortunate they have to play this early in the event, but he will be an unseated guy I talk about later as someone who could make a deep run. 
Yeah, that's fair. I just think he got a tough draw with Garen there in the second round. I'm going to go with Garen. Um, and just, I mean, look, Umber is not as big as you had him. If you have him 6'4", six, 6'5", six, he's like 6'1", man. So, I mean, you're giving him some inches there. Is he's, he? Oh, yeah. He's is not that he? big of a guy. He's not that big of a guy. I man. think he's grown a little bit, man. I ah. love that we're arguing about his I, Minimum 6'2". I'll give you 6'2 at a minimum, but he is long. Ooh, 6'2 at a maximum, I would say, and probably <laughs> only on a good day. I'm, I've got him at 6'1", and he is long. I mean, I'll give you that. He's long, but he just, he doesn't have the size. He moves well, though. His serve is good. I like Umber a lot, and I agree with you. We do need to put him into the category of Kechmanovic and guys like that in that tier because, again, he's only 22 years old. He's already gone deep at slams. I mean, I think he made the fourth round of Wimbledon a couple years back, so um, I like Umber. I, I do. I agree. And a guy a guy who won a title, his first ATP title in 2020. Yeah. I see on Wikipedia, he's listed 6'2". On ATP website, he's listed 6'1". I'm going to say he's 6'2", and I think he hit a late growth spurt. I also grew in college, and this guy is college age, so <laughs> I think he is still Whatever. growing. And No, I'm just, you know, maybe it's because he just looks so much taller than Courtney Mute, and I'm like, oh, yeah, so he must be 7'5", and it's like, oh, actually, Mute is 5'7". Yeah, like, oh, Mute okay, is that, tiny. Yeah, so it starts to make a little bit more sense. But no, those would be the guys on the top half. On the bottom half, I already made the case. He's not playing well. And you know who you don't want to play if you're not playing well, if you're Gael Monfils? Sasha Bublik, first round. I think that's absolutely upset alert. I think Bublik... Now, you know, three out of five sets, can he stay locked in? Can he do the things you need to do to beat someone who's going to make as many balls as Guy Almonfis? We'll see. But he certainly got the upside to pull off this upset. Now, you know, a couple of other guys I would circle for Taylor Fritz. Yeah, you know, he's the seed here, and I believe he drew a qualifier in his first round match in uh, Machik, but... I just don't love the way he's looked on clay thus far. Um, there are some, a couple other fun first-round matches I would point to, but I think that top section in the bottom half of the draw, that uh, the Dominic team quarter, I think things could get funky up top there. I completely agree. On this half of the draw, Gruskin, I've got way more upset alerts. I think Monfils, obviously, with Bublik, that's major upset alert. That's a terrible first round. I mean, that's not. That's definitely not the guy that you want to be playing right now, especially with the form that Bublik has shown here recently. Tough match for Monfils. The only thing he has going for him, it is the French. He's going to have some home crowd support. He likes playing there in Paris. I I think everything kind of works to Monfils' advantage. We just have to see how he's looking there. Fritz, I think, is on early upset alert. Not in the first round, but I think in the second round, I actually have Fritz going down. So that is upset alert early. Um, a guy like Schwartzman, how about drawing Kechmanovic in the first round? That's not fun. Um you know, Diego Schwartzman's a guy that, you know, loves the clay as well, and, and he could make a deep run, but when you draw Kechmanovic, it's like, oh man, please. Um, so I think that's something to watch. Obviously, the blockbuster match that I know we're going to be glued to, Stan and, and Murray, man. I mean, how, how does that even happen? Like, somebody definitely rigged that for those two guys to draw each other in the first round. It's almost too good to be true. I mean, you wouldn't think that that would just happen by chance, but hey, look, Stan... Has to be on alert. Andy Murray, man, you always have to be on alert when you're playing Andy Murray. So I think he could be in danger. How about FAA drawing Nishioka in the first round? That's not good. I, I don't like that matchup for FAA. Nishioka is going to be a pain to play in that matchup. 
I don't like it. I'm a little bit worried for FAA. I mean, I think, you know, Chilich and team, obviously team's going to get through that. I think Zverev's going to be fine early. How about Marco Cecinato and Alex Dimonor in the first round? It wasn't too mm-hmm. long ago, Gruskin, that Cecinato made, what, the semis of Roland Garros? That was, what, three years ago, something like that? And since then, I don't think he's won any matches at a major. Like, he's over. So that's just interesting. I think Demon will get through that. Go fan and Sinner. Obviously, upset alert. Sinner could pull the upset there. So I'm telling you, man, on this bottom half of the draw, almost all of these seats have to be on upset alert, I think. It's crazy, that you know, some of the draws that we got here. Yeah, I think we're going to be treated to some really, really fun tennis in this bottom half. Yeah, you look across the names. I mean, Chechenato, the former semifinalist against Demon Hour, is a fun one. FAA yeah. versus Nishioka is a fun one. Schwartzman Kasmanovic is a fun one. Go fence Sinner. Like, exactly. Yeah, this, this, this bottom half of the draw is freaking awesome. And a lot of things have to go right, right? Like, for Yannick Sinner, of course, it's easy to be like, well, he's the flashy young up and comer. That's a brutal first round draw for him against David Goffin. Yes. He just makes life so difficult for you as an opponent, right? If he's playing. I don't know. There are probably, in a draw of 128, there are probably 100 players legitimately who you take Yannick Sinner over. Go fans in the pool of 27 other players who you don't, who you're like, ooh, I have to really think hard about this because I love Yannick Sinner, but am I really ready to take him over David Goffin? And like, you know, for Dan Evans, Nishikori, yeah, that match is cooler if Nishikori is playing like he did in 2017, but still a really fun match. And look, I, we've done... I've done a lot of preview content for Crack Rackets. Hopefully, all of you listeners have been enjoying it. I haven't spent the five minutes everyone has probably been waiting for talking about San Wawrinka and Andy Murray. What does it mean to see those two play against each other at this stage in 2020? Of course, this was really the place Andy Murray lost his hip. There are people who have theories that match he played, I think it was semifinals French Open against Stan, yep. is when he aggravated the hip beyond, uh, beyond repairs, when things really started to take a turn. And I'm not going to talk about that because I don't know his medical history. I mean, for Andy Murray, if you're always having pain and then one match is the final needle in the haste, you know, nail nail in the coffin, that was the metaphor I was looking for. Are you really going to turn to one match? No, it's literally the years of the Versa climber that has torn up his hip. You know, it's all the sprints he does. But anyways, the point is, the bottom half is stacked, and that's before we even get to a potential semifinal between Rafa and Dominic Team, which is, of course, a match we all want to see happen. Uh, you know, for the third year in a row, uh, you know, the past two years it's been finals. This year it would be a semifinal. But yeah, I love the bottom half of the draw. I completely agree. I think it's very interesting, especially that top quarter, the Dominic Team quarter, which we talked about. You know, really, because even the bottom, I mean, Rafa's quarter, look, there's some fun matches, but. I, we all know Rafa's going to come out of there. So we know who's going to who's gonna make it out of that section. That top that top quarter in the bottom half, man, I think is super interesting. All of these matches are really going to be fun. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Well, then with that in mind, let's switch gears here because we're talking about the bottom half. So much potential for upset alert. If there is an unseated player who you think can make a deep run, or maybe there are a couple, who do you think the guy's going to be who players or fans are going to be like, oh yeah, this name is the person who emerged in the second week. This is the guy we're talking about. Because there's always one. There's always one, Matty. No, there's always one. And as I was go- as I'm looking at this and I've made my picks... 
I am really, really struggling to find an unseated <laughs> guy that I think could go through. And it's tough. There's a shocker. No, no, DraftKings no, 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 no. just reported no, that's no, a shocker. No, no, no. Look, I always make unseated picks. Remember back to the U.S. Open, it was all over the pace. I, I picked Jordan Thompson. I had him. You know, I, I picked all these wild cards. This time, I really don't think it's going to happen. The one guy that I'm going to be keeping my eye on, and if things fall into place, is Dominic Kepfer. And you already mentioned him before. Ooh. He has a first round match against Antoine Hong, who is a wild card from France. I think he's going to win that match. Second round would be Murray Wawrinka. Okay. Obviously, Andy Murray is not the Andy Murray that we know. Okay. So if he beats Stan, I think Kepfer has a great chance there. Even if Stan gets through, Stan is... I think it's a little bit up in the air. Kepfer has been playing really well here. I think he could potentially win that second round match. In the third round, I mean, I don't even know if FAA is going to be the guy. I'm telling you, I'm worried about that match with Nishioka. So what if we got Kepfer Nishioka in the third round to make, make the second week, make the fourth round? I think out of everybody that I've seen here, Dominic Keffer with the way that he's been playing and just the way the draw is kind of laid out here with some upsets and things like that, I could see him making the fourth round. I think it's possible if he continues to play well. Other than that, in my bracket, I don't have any other unseated guys. So I want you to know, and I talked about this in our YouTube video we did with Jamie. I referred to it briefly. I'll go into the story now here on the podcast Last night, I'm driving home after picking up dinner, and who am I talking with? Of course, Jamie McDonald, because we talk probably seven times a day, because that's just what we do here at Cracked Records. We're a tight-knit family. Um, anyways, we get into this big argument, and he's like, did you see the first-round draws? I'm like, yeah, I did. Upset alert. Yada, yada, yada. We're talking, trying to map out all the preview content we wanted to do, and I'm like, you know who I really like is an unseated guy? Dom Kofer. Like, I think regardless of who wins between Murray or yep. Stan, Kofer's just the better player. Like, he just is right yep. now. You look at the way he rolled through Demon Hour in uh, Rome, or not rolled through, excuse me, the way he fought back against Demon Hour in Rome, a match he really could have lost, but, you know, ends up winning that one in three. He follows that up with just a really strong two and four win over a not informed guy, Al Monfils, but still, he took advantage of that. And then the next day, he was an underdog for some reason against Lorenzo Musetti. He beat him in straight sets, then gets the set off Novak Djokovic. This is a guy as fit as he has ever been in his career career, a guy who is really adept at changing directions, taking balls early, moving forward, sliding into shots. It's not going to overwhelm you with his pace, but he's just a very tactically sound player. And I just think straight up, like Andy Murray has not played that many pro clay matches over the past couple of years, obviously. Stan Wawrinka won a challenger, but did not look great yep. in Rome and still trying to find his legs under him as well. I completely agree with your pick on Dom Kofer. I think that's a standout one. A couple of others I would throw out there quickly. If Opelka beat Dominic's no, team, no, then the draw no. opens up for him. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's happening. I'm saying it's a possibility, no. right? If Opelka just serves bombs for two weeks, you're just like, nope. oh, okay. Not a, sure, not a possibility. Not on clay. Not against team. <laughs> no, zero. All right. Well, that I'm gonna I'm gonna throw three more names okay. at you real quick. Miomir Kesmanovic against Diego Schwartzman. I know Schwartzman just beat Nadal. 
Kasmanovic just won Kitzbühel. No matter what you, way you look at it, that match is a grind. Kasmanovic can absolutely get through that one. And then again, if he does that, the draw opens up for him. Possible or am no, I that's crazy? No, po- that's possible. I agree with you there. I didn't pick that in my draw. I, I have Schwartzman winning that match. But I agree if he does win that first round, you're absolutely correct. Possible. And then same deal. If Sasha Bublik beats Guillaume Monfils, he legitimately could make the fourth round. <laughs> I just, I can't even picture him in the fourth round. Like that would just be funny to me. Like I just, I can't even get that image in my head of Bublik in the fourth round. I just can't see it. I mean, I guess if it is possible, he's in good form. I mean, you're not completely crazy, but it's it's not happening. It's not happening. I, my confidence I, with that is I like have, 1% of that actually happening. But there is a 1% chance. I haven't Yeah, I haven't made the pick yet on Turnitopia, but between Monfils, Bublik, Gomez, and Sinego, I'm like, oh man, like I could see a world where all four of them legitimately, just the way everyone's playing right now, all four of them could get to that third round, and that's just like crazy to me. And so those are a fun one, but I have one last name for you, Maddie. The name that they hear at Crack Rackets pay me the oh-so-ever medium-sized bucks to come up with. One name that I think is going to surprise you, but if you let me make the case before you jump on me, you might say, okay, Alex, that one makes sense. Now, you look in this portion of the draw, top half of the Rafa section, or bottom half of the Rafa section, but his little portion in particular. The seeds there, Fabio Fonini, number 14 seed, coming off of injury, I think is one in three in his return to pro action thus far. And of course, John Isner, the number 21 seed, who we have yet to see play a clay court match. Well, hovering in that section of the draw, Maddie, is a qualifier by the name of Pedro Martinez. And for those of you who don't know about Pedro, 23 years old from Spain, currently ranked number 105, which is his career high ranking, although you look in the live rankings right now for Mr. Martinez, he is currently sitting, I believe, yeah, 105, which is his career high. Now, you look in his history, only three challenger finals to his name, but they've all come on clay, they've all come in the past two years, and again, for him, uh, he does have a challenger title on the surface. You look at what he's done since the restart. Uh, He qualified in Rome, ended up making the second round after losing to Shapovalov at the French Open qualifies, beats Masur, beats Haas, beat Blanche. More importantly, you look at his career record, 255 and 125, 67% win percentage on clay. Maddie, I'm just going to say it now, possible or I'm effing crazy. Pedro Martinez, third round of the friendship. Oh, so now you say third round instead of fourth round or No, or fourth round. No, 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 fourth round. Did I say third? I meant fourth. I meant fourth round. Absolutely crazy. So he gets through that section and plays. Absolutely (laughs) crazy. There is a negative percent chance of that happening. It's not zero. It's actually a negative percent chance that that happens. <laughs> that is that is absolutely crazy and that will not be happening. Gruskin if if Pedro Martinez makes the fourth round of the French, you can ask me to do whatever you want and and I will I'll have to do it. I mean, I'll just I'll give you that right now. There is a negative chance that Pedro <gasps> Martinez is in the second week of Roland Garros. 
Uh, here's what I'm saying. Again, there's always one. There's a qualifier. There's an unseated player, some floating loomer, and I just don't see it in the top half. Like, we can talk about that real quickly. Maybe Munar if he beats nope. Pass, but we both agree that's probably not going to happen. Maybe Fucevic if he beats nope. Medvedev, but that's probably not going to happen. Ugo Umber is capped, and I think getting to the fourth round because then he'd run into Djokovic, and with all due respect, I will talk about my thoughts on Djokovic in a little bit, but like, there's going to be one, and I think all roads point to Pedro Martinez, Matty. All right, man. I Go ahead and just pencil <laughs> that in, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait till Sunday. What, Sunday or Monday? We have to find out when that first round match is against Vukic, because he... He plays he Vukic, plays Vukic who obviously yeah. we're very familiar with, played his college career at Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Whenever that match is going on, I cannot wait to revisit this in a couple of days here. We'll get back to this. <laughs> yeah, no, we will absolutely. We will come back to that. I just, again, had to throw it, float it by you. Had to see what you were thinking. Just check your temperature <laughs> that on one that one. one. But, no, again... <laughs> Well, I got to throw one at you, right? There's always one take I got to have you not prepared for. That was uh, it. And so I knew the Pedro Martinez one would be the take. But with that in mind, again, we've talked about the unseeded players, the seeds on upset alert. Let's talk about the action we're going to see from the get-go. So many outstanding first-round matches. You literally could make a list of 20 of these 64 matches, and you're going to be satisfied by all 20. Um, but give me your favorites, top half, bottom half. Uh, let's start with the top. What are the first-round matches? you'll be watching most yeah, there's less on the top half for me that are that are interesting and obviously I mean the way we've been talking here that that's going to make sense but obviously the Sangren Hubi match certainly is one that I'm going to be tuned into uh, I think that's going to be really fun I've got Sangren taking the upset there um how about Struff and, and Francis Tiafo? I mean for me you know this Gruskin anytime Francis is playing I'm glued anyway the fact that he drew Struff it's just even more interesting because we've been following Struff here now for a while. He's looking good. I think that's a very, very interesting match. How about Carreno Busta and Millman? I mean, two grinders. That's got five sets written all over it, I think. That's one that I'm going to be tuned into. Uh, Rublev Query, again, for that kind of that American factor, plus one of our next-gen favorites in Rublev. Um, those are some of the ones that I'm going to be watching in the first round from the top half of the draw. Yeah, all good picks by you, Maddie. In terms of some other, I may throw out there. I mean, you know, Hercot Sandman. Oh, yeah. I, we should have probably done the opening tangent on that, right? Because that match is just screams me and you. Like that one, that one was sent to us. They were like, hey, here you guys go. Here's a little gift. Enjoy this on day one. Um, we mentioned the other first round matches. Yeah, no, I mean, the top half, there are going to be a lot of fun battles. I think as you get into round two, round three, things will start to get really funky on that top half, but. I think, again, we've talked about it a little bit. The action really comes on that bottom half of the draw, right? Monfils, Bubla, Kasmenovic, Schwartzman, Sinner, Gofen. I mean, Evans, Nishikori. We've talked about all of these. Opelka, Sock. It's ridiculous. Yes, the bottom half is just loaded with first-round matches. I mean, obviously, Stan and, and Andy Murray. Um, Chilich and team is going to be interesting yeah. just as a first-round match. Um, and you mentioned the other ones, FAA Nishioka. Do not sleep on that match. I'm telling you, FAA, as much as I love him, that is scary to me. Nishioka on clay. Ooh, that could be... So are you scared by that one? So give, give me the case for Nishioka because... 
I just feel like FAA is a good enough athlete. Three out of five, he can wear him down. He can hit him off the it's court. It's clay, and, man. You know, I've it's watched slow red way. clay. Yeah, but I also think Nishioka's ball just it doesn't bite that much. Not nearly as much as you would expect on a clay court. Like I was surprised by how how much that ball sat up. And if you're sitting up balls to Felix Ogier Aliasim, you're just you're. In I trouble. just haven't loved what I've seen out of Felix. Over the last couple of weeks, I yeah. just haven't on the clay since we started on the clay. I'm sorry, my I just haven't loved what I've seen out of him. And Nishioka man is just so dangerous because he's not going to go anywhere. He's going to hang around. If he has to play five sets, he's going to play five sets. He doesn't care. He's going to put every ball back into the court. He is going to make Felix come up with the goods. I mean, if Felix wins that match, he will have played. Very, very well. Felix is not going to win that match playing average. I'm just telling you right now, Felix has to play close to his best tennis to take out Nishioka. I think it's very scary, and that's a match that I am definitely going to be watching. Can't wait for it. No, it's going to be a really, really fun one. And again, so many great matches throughout the day. If you want to hear how they all go, you need to hear recaps of all of the action. You want to hear our picks each morning. Be sure to check out our mini break and great shot podcast, respectively, the GSP Ace of the Day, rocking and rolling every morning, brought to you by our friends at DraftKings. I should have said this at the top, but, you know, of course, to get in on the action, take advantage of their limited time offer. Just go to dkng.co slash cracked open, because obviously there are a lot of fun matches. There are going to be some really interesting money lines, some interesting overs. We're going to be talking about them and getting in on all of them as well, so be on the lookout for that. But before I let you go, Maddie, I have to get you on the record. Of course, I said when you come on at the end, you know what I'm going to ask you for, predictions. Now, I want to go to the quarterfinal level because I'm actually fascinated to see where you have these quarterfinals going. I think that's maybe even the tougher question. I think it's pretty obvious semis, finals. It's going to come down to one of three guys that everyone's going to end up picking, and I think that's justified, of course. But I am fascinated to hear where you ended up with your quarterfinal selection. Yeah, let's let's do it, man. Let's just go top to bottom. So top quarter of the draw, I've got Djokovic. But I just quickly... Quickly, before you get into them, when you're done with your quarterfinals, uh, let me, if you don't mind, please let me comment because well, yeah, I'm going to let thoughts. you go quarter by quarter. That's what I was thinking because I knew you would jump in right <laughs> away. So here's what I've got. Top quarter, <laughs> Djokovic, and I actually have RBA, Bautista, Goot, making the quarters with wow. Joker in, the, in that top quarter. And I, I look, I struggled with that because RBA, we know, I mean, the guy is just such a professional. He's going to show up. He's going to bring his lunch pail every time. I think there's going to be a third round match against PCB, his countryman, Carreno Busta. I think that could go either way, but I'm leaning RBA. And I actually have my guy Berrettini losing this tournament in the third round. I have Struff in the fourth round, and I think RBA is going to beat Struff to make the quarterfinals. I don't know, man. It could be Berrettini. It could be Struff. It could be Carreno Busta. I don't know. I struggled with this one, but I always go back to RBA. Look, and this guy is as consistent as they come on tour. He routinely makes fourth rounds of majors, quarterfinals of majors. He's done that throughout his entire career. He's a grinder. He likes the clay. I'm going to go with RBA to match up with Joker on the top top quarter there. Thoughts? 
I ha- so Djokovic, I agree with. We'll talk about him more in a second. I'm just shocked to hear you pick against your boy Berrettini. I love Berrettini on the clay. And yeah, he lost a three-set match to Casper Ruud. But guess what? That was a three-set match to a guy who's been arguably one of the five best players great, on though. clay. He in did not look great in that season. match. I really don't think so. And here's the other thing, Gruskin. Yep. Let me just say this. I, okay, go ahead. I, I, I no, you're the Berrettini whisperer, Open, right? so this I is you. I picked him to get to the quarter. So <laughs> this is a little bit of—I'm doing this on purpose, right? I'm trying to pull the reverse jinx here and pick him to lose— so that he can actually win. And I do hope Berrettini gets through. I really want him to make the quarters. So I'm going to pick him to lose. And now hopefully he wins. That's my that's my rationale here. You're No, you're a great man. That's you could not have given me a better answer. That's exactly what I was hoping to hear. I wit Berrettini Djokovic. I don't worry about those witching powers. If I'm going to witch someone, let's do it in my favor, please. Let's take advantage of that fact. But yeah, I think this is the most straightforward quarter. I think Djokovic is going to get tested a couple of times. I think he's the guy. And I just, for Berrettini, he can have off days and still win matches because that serve just comes so easily to him. That's always going to be there. And so I'm going to take him to advance to the quarterfinal. I think this next section, though, is the single most fascinating, single most wide open. We've talked about it already. So now I want to hear your picks. Who's coming out of the Medi This is a fun one, man. So in this quarter, I've actually got Rublev and Shapovalov to make the quarterfinals in this section. I have Rublev. So a rematch, right? Medi and Rublev just played at the U.S. Open a couple weeks back. Medvedev got the better of him. I think that's going to be reversed here. Rublev is a sneaky good clay court player, man. He won his first title on the tour back in Umag in like 2017 on clay. I just think, you know, as hard as he hits, we think of him as just such a banger and, you know, aggressive, you know, suitable for hard courts. But Rublev can really play on the dirt as well. I've got Rublev over Medvedev to make the quarterfinals. And I've also got Shapovalov over Sitsipas to make the quarterfinals. I loved what I've seen out of Shapovalov. I just think he's finding his groove right now. He's confident. He's playing well. I like him a lot. So I've got Rublev and, and Shapovalov in the quarter here. No, I think they're both great picks, and I want you to know, in my section right now of this draw, and this is where I get concerned, because I have three options. I have Shapovalov coming up at the top. I agree with you. I just think he has looked so good of late, although... Do I really want to pick against Medvedev? Isn't it a swerve at this point to pick Medvedev, given how many people are picking against him? I'm going to leave. Again, both of these spots are open for me. I'm going to... Yeah, he but is, he's still Medvedev, know, three out of five. but I just think if any tournament, if he's vulnerable a little bit, I just, I think it's going to be here. I, I think it's going to be here. I think we get the all-Russian mm. fourth-round matchup, Medi and Rublev, this time around. Look, last time I picked Medvedev at the U.S. Open. This time, I'm going to go Rublev. Yeah, I, I again, I have no issues with that pick. I would say... So, again, right now, I I like Medvedev. I do. I like Tsitsipas as well, and I feel like picking against them is so stupid, but 
I also have written in right now Shapovalov yep. versus Rublev. I also would take a flyer on the deuce, Dusan no. Lajevic, because he is always <laughs> a threat on clay. We, oh, you're wrong. You're I, wrong. Look, every you're time wrong. that we pick the um, deuce, he tends to disappoint. Look, I picked him in the past. I got excited. I was like, all right, true. let me pick the deuce. And then all of a sudden he's out in the first round. It's like, damn it, man. Why am I even picking you? So <laughs> I'm, I'm done with him. I'm not going to pick him in this tournament. Look, again, that's fair. I Like I said, this section to me is the one yes. that's still most wide open, and so it's still the one I will be playing with my predictions the most right up to the finish line. For now, because you went Shapovalov-Rublev, let's cover all of the bases so that one of us is going to be right. I'll take Medvedev, Tsitsipas. I have Shapovalov-Rublev written in right now, so I'm actually leaning your direction, but I will take Shapovalov, or I will take CC. I can't even get out. I'll take Tsitsipas and Medvedev, but I'm not feeling great about it. Uh, I think that section is wide open. Moving on to the bottom half. I think that last section is pretty straightforward. You have Nadal Zverev? No, I don't. I don't. Ooh, make the case. The case is whenever I pick Zverev to win, or whenever I pick him to lose, he wins. So I've actually got and, and look, I've I when I saw the draw, I said I cannot pick against David Goffin again. There's been so many tournaments that I picked against him. I picked him to lose early. I picked, remember I picked Opelka to take him out in the first round of the U.S. Open. I actually feel bad. I actually feel oh, bad. Goffin is one of my favorite players. <laughs> I love everything about him. I've got Rafa matching up with Goffin in the quarters here. I think Goffin is going to take Zverev out in the fourth round. And by saying that, that means Zverev is going to win, which is also not a bad thing. I'm okay with that. So if I can reverse jinx it here, just like I did at the U.S. Open, that's fine with me. Give me Rafa, go fan in that bottom quarter. Yeah, hey, nothing wrong with that now. I'm going to take Zverev just because I think he's going to bounce back. I'm really confident that what he took away from that Grand Slam was I'm right there. I just I have to have more confidence. I have to have more belief. And so, you know, the only way you do that is through match toughness. And you look for Alex Zverev this year. He's what, like 10-2 and two or 11-2 and two at Grand Slams? He's, yeah, 11-2 semifinals and finals. This is a player making the leap. When a player makes the leap, they start making second, uh, second weeks routinely. They start seeing themselves in every quarterfinal. Final, every semifinal. And I think the draw gods broke out in a way that Alex Virov can absolutely do that. I'm going to take him to play Nadal, uh, but I do think Nadal will advance to the semifinals. Of course, that last quarter, another wide open one, the Dominique's team yeah, section of the this draw. One Who was got Matty Obviously, there? so I've got team. As tough of a draw as Dominic team has, and I know we've discussed this at length. I still think he's going to get through. I'm not going to pick against him. I just three out of five sets on clay. Team just loves it, man. He lives for this. Three out of five sets. Just try to beat him on clay. It's such a difficult task. So I think he's going to be tested very early, but I think he's going to get through. So I have Dominic Team matching up with, and this, I struggled with this. I didn't know who to throw in here. I went back and forth, but I've actually got Diego Schwartzman making the quarterfinals. And look, he's got that tough first round against against Kecmanovic, and I think he's going to get through it. I was just so impressed with Schwartzman in Rome. I really was. And he's always been a fantastic clay court player. I just think he's got a difficult draw, 
but he can get through. My confidence with Monfils just isn't there, even though they're in Paris and he's going to have some crowd support. Chorich is a tough matchup. It really is. I mean, this section could go either way, but I'm going to go with Diego Schwartzman to match up with Dominic Team in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I, I think that's an So for me, it, it's a really it's tough, tough path for Schwartzman. I think if he can get through that first round, yeah, then absolutely everything opens up wide for him. I'm not ready I'm to not pick either. Monfils. I just can't do it because I haven't seen it yet. And if I'm wrong on him, if he makes the second week, I'm fine being wrong there. If he flips his level, that's it's a testament to him, three out of five, what he is as an athlete. Nothing I can say about that. I'm just wrong there. I kind of like Borna Chorich wow. in the top half. I just like the way he's playing. It's similar. He's one of those guys who the longer the match, the more physical it becomes, the better he, uh, the better he becomes within the match. And it's a pick not a lot of people are talking about. And I always like to zig where others zag. And I just think for him, again, he's such a tough out. Three out of five sets. Really good win for him over Christian Guerin, although that was an ugly match on both sides. And then he lost to Travaglia, but I think he's had now a week and a half to train on the clay. I think he moves well on the surface. Now he's still, in my opinion, better on hard courts and grass, but... I think wow. I'm going to go Team Chorich. Okay. I think I'm going to do it. I think that's the I mean, pick it's for me. interesting. What do you, what do you think? I, I, it could happen. I mean, Chorich is a sneaky good pick there. I just, I don't know. I think what I, what I have penciled into my draw, I have the Schwartzman-Chorich, what is that, third round match, right? Yeah. I've got that penciled in, and I think that could be an absolute war. Just a, a five-set battle. I've got Schwartzman coming out there. So that's where I lean. But if Chorich does end up taking that match, then you're absolutely right. That may not be a bad pick, Gruskin. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. All right. I appreciate oh, that wait, better oh, than wait, Pedro much, Martinez. Much better pick than Pedro back Martinez. On the that team. was just god awful. <laughs> Oh, we'll see. We will. We'll see, Maddie. We'll see. No, okay. Well, then, my last thing I want to do, and we can do these in succession because they're all the players we expect. Give me your semifinals, finals, and ultimately your 2020 French yeah, Open. Yeah, so at the top half, champion. I've got Joker over RBA to make the semis. I've actually got Shapovalov over Rublev to make the semifinals. And that one I went back and forth on. I didn't know I wanted to pick Rublev, but. Head-to-head, Shapovalov has a bit of an advantage there, just slightly. I think 2-1 to one overall. I'm going to go with Shapo. I'm, I'm impressed with him. I like what I've seen. So I've got Joker against Shapovalov in the top half. Now on the bottom half, I do have team over Schwartzman to make the semis. Again, I'm not going to pick against Dominic team there. Uh, and obviously Rafa over David Gofan. So my final four, Djokovic, Shapovalov, team, Rafa. Now... Finals, I'm going, you know, I'm going chalk here. Give me Djokovic against Rafa in the final. I think Joker Shapo could be an interesting semifinal, but three out of five, Djokovic just going to wear him down on the clay. Shapovalov, clay is not his best surface. Um, and I think Djokovic has a, a, a decent advantage there. 
team in Rafa, man, we know that that is going to be the quality of a Grand Slam final. They played, you know, the last two French Open finals. So it's a semifinal here. That could very well be the final. And I'm not going against Rafa. I'm sorry, but I'm not going to do it. I've got Rafa over team in the semis. And then in a blockbuster final, which I think we would all love to see, Djokovic, Rafa, I'm picking Nadal, man. There is no way that you're going to convince me to not pick Rafa Nadal. He's won 12 French Opens. I just, I'm sorry. Unless something weird happens, he doesn't lose at the French Open three out of five sets. I am not going to be the fool that picks against Rafa at Roland Garros. I'm sorry. Until somebody knocks him off and actually beats him, Rafa's never lost a final at Roland Garros. If he makes the final, he wins. I've got Rafa over Joker in the final. Yeah, well, don't worry. I'm here to be that fool, Maddie, so that you never have to be in. Look, I mean, in terms of my semifinals, finals, I think... I'm really hoping we get Rafa Team Part 3, right? They've played in the finals the past two years. I would love to see Team get another shot at him, particularly given the conditions this event is happening under now. Part of me wants to just take Zverev over Nadal to really set you going, but I will not be the fool who has someone not named Novak Djokovic or Dominic Team, who at least are Grand Slam champions, who have the pedigree, the confidence right now to justifiably beat Rafa Nadal, and you're not going to think it's an upset. You'll say, okay, they probably just no. played really well, right? Like, if Dominic team beat Rafael yes, Nadal, would I you would. categorize that upset. as an upset? Now, a slight upset. It's not like a, it's not a major upset. It's not like, oh my okay. goodness. It's a, a believable, it's a believable upset. upset. A believable but it's upset. still an upset, in my opinion, especially at Roland okay. Garros, man. This is Rafa, like, Rafa lives for this. Mm-hmm. Like, his entire year is always centered around the French Open. He lives for this. It would be an upset if anybody beats him. Yeah, I know. I I think you're... Okay, well, let me be the fool then, because why not? I am going to take Novak Djokovic to win this event. I am going to take Djokovic to advance out of that top half. I'm going to have him playing Andre Rublev for now in the semifinals, but again, asterisk next to Rublev's name. I'm going to have Team versus Nadal in the bottom half. Don't do it. And I like Dominic Team right now. I can't oh believe God. I'm saying it. I'm going to take... <sighs> You're right. You're right. You're right. But I'm taking Djokovic in the final. I am taking Novak Djokovic. I just think we're about to see the Novak Djokovic that we've always wanted to see. A ticked-off Novak Djokovic. A Novak Djokovic who's thinking to himself, you know what? I am the best player in the world. And the only reason I lost at that U.S. Open is because I beat myself. And I am not going to let anyone beat me again during this 2020 season. And look, you look for the two of them. How many times have they played at Roland Garros in their careers? Well, there's a bunch of them, right? 2006 quarterfinal. 2007 semifinals both of those going to Rafa 2008 semifinals Rafa now we get into the 2010s Rafa beats him in four sets in the final Rafa beats him in that 9-7 in the fifth 2013 legendary semifinal Rafa beats him again in four sets in that final in 2014 then we finally saw Djokovic get over the hump beat Rafa in that 2015 quarterfinal straight sets now since that match uh obviously they have not played at Roland Garros but I just, there's this look in Novak Djokovic's eyes. There's this anger he seems to be playing with in the biggest moments where he's like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm better than everyone. I'm I'm done fooling around. Enough is enough. I see At any it. other I, tournament, I, I, don't know. I would I, agree with you. 
I, I, it's, it's not a, it's not a quantify, right? Nope. It's not a quantifiable thing, but you, if you watch him play, this is a pissed off Djokovic. And I swear to God, in the history of tennis, there is nothing that would scare me more than a pissed off. I'm just going to kill everybody. Novak Djokovic, because I'll continue to say this when he, this is not an argument. Who's the greatest of all time. This is just an observation. The person who, in my opinion, has played the single best tennis of any male in tennis history is Novak Djokovic. Just when he rips off those undefeated stretches, you're just like, oh, okay. So no one's not here this year. That's look, I, I would agree with you at any other tournament, Gruskin, but we are talking about Roland Garros. How many times have Djokovic actually won the French Open? Once. That's it. That's it. Yeah, uh, Rafa is 12 yeah. and 0 in French Open finals. If he gets to the final, he wins. And obviously, this would be a final. They can't match up since they're the one and two seeds before the final. I I am not going to be the one to pick against that. Go ahead. You can do that. I'm fine with your pick, but I think you're going to be wrong. I, I really do, and I just I, – I can't <laughs> pick against Rafa. Not here. If this was any other tournament, I would probably agree with you. I really would, but not here. I'm sorry. Not yeah, here. No. Okay. Okay. That's fair, but do you see a world where it happens, I guess? If those two – is it in the it, realm it of in the realistic, realistic possibilities? possibilities? Because it is Novak Djokovic, and he's arguably, I mean, the, the greatest player of all time yeah. when he's playing at his best. However, to me, it would still be an upset. It is definitely within the realm of possibilities, but I would consider that an upset. I just would, because we're going to be playing on Chatrier. It's at the French. It's Rafa Nadal in a final. He's never lost three out of five sets. Good luck with that, man. Even Novak, even Novak, I just, I'm not picking against Rafa. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. And again, I think that's completely fair. I've said it on multiple preview podcasts, so I'll just say it briefly here. Until he loses three years in a row, three years in a row at the French Open, he enters it as the favorite. I don't care if he loses this year, he's next year's favorite. I don't care if he loses next year, he's 2022's favorite. If he loses the next three years, well, then Dominic Team sure. probably enters it as the favorite. Or at that point, I don't know, Yannick Sinner or Holger <laughs> Roos enters it at the favorite. Who knows what we're going to be at in 2022. But, you know, yeah, I I can't disagree with your logic. I just have this feeling that we're going to be talking about Novak Djokovic for these next two weeks and just how freaking good he looks and the fact that his only loss in 2020 is going to be the fact that he hit a line judge in the throat. I just think that storyline, I just see it. I just see it so clearly, and I'm fine to be proven wrong. If Rafa wins, it's not going to shock me by any means, but I just, I'm, I think if, it's if Novak Djokovic's Djokovic year. If Djokovic actually does beat Rafa in the final, right? Not if he beats, you know, somebody else in the final. I'm saying if Rafa and team lose and, you know, Djokovic matches up with Schwartzman in the final or, you know, some weird thing like that. If Djokovic beats Rafa in the final of the French Open, that is going to be huge, man. I mean, that is a massive massive notch on his belt to win the French Open, but to also beat Rafa in the final, I mean, ooh, that that would be massive, man. That that would be absolutely monumental. And I just I, I'm not gonna go there yet. But that would be huge. Yeah. That'd be incredible. No. 
it's something for everyone to root for, the, the opportunity to see them play again again for the first time since Djokovic beat Rafa in that quarterfinal 2015 French Open. It's something all of us tennis fans would certainly enjoy. But of course, we're also all going to enjoy the action over these next two weeks in Paris. We hope you follow along with us here at Cracked Rackets, whether it be our daily recaps on the Mini Break podcast, whether it be our picks each and every morning here for our GSP Aces of the Day. And of course, we will have our entire cast of characters, Jamie McDonald, Maddie over here, Max Rothman, our crew joining us at different points throughout the event to talk about all of the action. A huge shout out to our friends at DraftKings. Be sure to go to dkng.co slash cracked open. Take advantage of their offer. Play along with us. Maddie, I had a two to one parlay hit today. I took Jack Sock over Kuznetsov. Barely snuck that one out. I took uh, Rabakina over, I believe, who'd she play now? Habino, I believe. Or, yeah, it was Habino today. And then I took, God, I don't even, oh, Casper Root, three sets over, uh, or not Casper Root, excuse me, Christian Guerin, three set over Sasha Bublik. Let's try that again. I took Guerin. I took, I can't even remember now the names. No, I took Guerin. I took Rabakina. I took Sock. Two to one odds, Manny. They go, ended man. up hitting. There it you go. But now you got to keep it up. You know, one good day. One good day is just one good day. Oh, Hey, that's what she said, my friend. I completely agree with you. But with that in mind, and oh, by the way, a huge shout out to our super producers, Max Figure and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out, making all of this possible. But with that in mind, Maddie, any final thoughts on this on this uh, tournament? Any I'm last ready to go, observations man. It's be you would a lot like of to fun. share? The French is always an interesting tournament compared to the other slams, right? That are a little bit more straightforward, the U.S. Open, Wimbledon. The French is always really interesting. I mean, we're going to get those five set absolute grinders, lots of long rallies, slower play. Um, it's going to be fun, man. Of, of course, just like every slam, I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, hopefully we get some, uh, you know, awesome matches. I know we will. Yeah, do you want to give me a quick uh, I women's think prediction? Is definitely, I'm leaning Halep just the way that she's looked so far. I've got to go with her. You know, no Osaka in this event. Even if Osaka was playing, it is clay, so Halep may have the advantage there. Um, I'm going to take Halep, but again, it's so interesting because the women's, I mean, we just don't know um, how it's going to end up. But if I had to pick someone right now, I'll take Simona Halep. I agree with you. I'm leaning Halep. Everyone I've talked to says yeah. Halep, though, and that has me worried. That almost has me leaning towards a. I might take Garbine Muguruza. I mean, that would be an interesting be pick. I mean, obviously, she's won it before, so she would know. I mean, she knows how to get the job done. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone there. Finalist Australian Open, finalist Australian Open this year, semi-finalist in Rome, healthy yeah. again, six feet tall, can do just a bunch of different things on the court, but moves well too. And you know, she was down and out. I keep saying this in that semi-final in, against Halep in Rome. I think it was a set and three-zero down, and then all of a sudden she found herself four-all in the third. Really could have extended that match to bonus time in that third set. I like Garbine. I think Halep's best right now is better than anyone else. I also think she can play poorly and still beat people. And I think that skill for her might be her single greatest skill is just how good plans B, C, and D are. But yeah, I do Vika. like Garbine Muguruza. I mean, I like Vika too, but I think Garbine on the other side of the draw, I just, 
I think that's the name to All me right. that stands yeah. out if it's I mean, not going to be That's Howard. a good pick. That's an interesting pick. I mean, I think, you know, somebody like Svitolina could cause some problems. Obviously, I, I'm going to stick with Halep, though. I just, I think at the end of the day, um, just kind of her form, it is the French Open. She likes the clay a lot. Um, I'll, I'll stick with that pick. But, it, it, I mean, honestly, man, it could go any which way on the women's side. That's what makes it fun. The women's draw is always fun because, I mean, there's going to be a lot of upsets, most likely. Yeah, no, I mean, look, um, we did a full draw breakdown for the women. Jamie McDonald joining me. You all can check that out. But, yeah, I think it's Halep's to lose. It speaks to how well she is certainly playing. And, again, it's going to be a really fun two weeks of action. Uh, so we look forward to watching it all. We hope you Crack Rackets fans will follow along with us. But with that being said, for my wonderful co-host, Matt the Cracks Dekowiak, our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, our friends at DraftKings and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm hey, your host, Alex Gruskin. Maddie, what do we tell the people? And we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.